You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me, previewing Michigan versus Bowling Green, the third of three non-conference games none of which are expected to be particularly close. So as a result, this discussion will be less about the keys to victory for Michigan and more about the keys to a successful weekend. What do we want to see from Michigan that would have Steve and myself feeling more confident or as confident in Michigan heading into Big Ten play? Of course, lots of written stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. First half of this episode, we'll look at the offensive side of things. Second half of the episode, uh, what the defense can do for a successful weekend. So, Steve, starting on offense, I mean, obviously, you do want to see game control. You do want to see continued growth. I I think the only thing from the starters on my checklist is that I do think you want to see a little bit more dominance in the run game, in running between the tackles. You know, they, they started to show a little bit of growth running outside the tackles last week, some good perimeter runs felt like the reverse with Cornelius Johnson, the, the quarterback runs. Those were, I think were pretty well crafted. I do think before big 10 play, you know, I, I don't, I think you and I are probably on the same page where the concern level is not above a two or a three about the run game, but knowing that Rutgers is a team that has stopped Michigan's run game in the past, knowing that, you know, they're going to be going on the road after that. I mean, you probably do want to see the ground game have just a a few more, oh yeah, they're back kind of situations. Because you're thinking about the context, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, they both missed all of spring ball. You know, they came back, but but Mike Hart's even said on the record, you know, they don't want them taking tackles in practice. You know, there's a certain confidence that they can both bring it in games, but, you know, you do want to build up into Big Ten play, whether it's your your durability, your speed, your agility, you know, there's lots of things. So I think that's probably in, in terms of the starters, because I do have a things I want to see from the backups in this game. But in terms of Michigan starters, yeah, I think that's that's the biggest key for the offense is just let's see Donovan Edwards break one free. Let's see Blake Corum, you know, break a couple extra tackles. I think Blake Corum's actually done relatively fine so far. It's pretty comparable to last season. In terms of his efficiency, he's got four touchdowns, 150 yards already. I do think Donovan Edwards, what does he have, like 45 yards in two games? Last week, I I just could probably pinpoint a couple things the offensive line could do differently. But I also think there's a couple things Donovan could do differently. So I think this is a big game for for the run game to gain confidence, show some of that big play ability especially on runs between the tackles yeah I just feel like that hasn't quite been there some of that's offensive line some of that's the opposing defense I mean if they're just going to have the numbers to stop the runs up the middle then you'll succeed elsewhere and that's what Michigan's done if I'm thinking about Michigan and Big Ten play I think that's the remaining box unchecked from Michigan's offense is just yeah just dominate in the run game I mean because you because you should be able to and if if not, you know, then you'll throw. But I think that's something I want to see from Michigan this week, just to make sure that you know, they, they still have a fresh game plan that teams aren't haven't sniffed out to make sure that this offensive line is going to be able to dominate in the ground game and make sure that the running backs are 
not recovered, but there's there's recovering from the injury, and then there's also getting back to game speed. I think that's probably the step that that Blake Corum has admitted he's still working on, and Donovan Edwards may still be working on as well. Steve, your thoughts on Michigan's run game? They they were better last week, but still off to a quiet start, uh, especially compared to preseason expectations. Yeah, I mean, I think we went over this on the board a little bit. I mean, Corum's stats are almost identical to what they were after two games last year. You know, they had a good game running the ball against Hawaii last year, but it was like, I think it was Isaiah Gash, CJ Stokes, both broke like long runs in the fourth quarter. You know, I, I, I've read and, and seen the stats like that Georgia's statistics running the football so far haven't been particularly great either. I think, I just think it's a, what did Mike Hart say? They were one block away from breaking two long runs last Saturday or something. I think. Yeah, he, he said, said that, a couple right? things along those lines. He said there's there's yards left out on the field and right. some of it's a block here or a cut move there. That just seems like fine tuning type stuff, right? I mean, the, the, the thing, I guess what I've noticed is when they go jumbo, uh, they're running the ball very effectively, whether they go outside or inside. It, it's it's when they've been trying to run into an eight or nine man box out of the pistol or shotgun that they've struggled. But again, I just don't. I I I feel like this emphasis on running, making like not making it obvious you're going to run the ball, but continuing to try to pound it inside at a disadvantage. I just feel like it's by design uh to help build communication and help build some cohesiveness not just between the offensive linemen but just from the unit as a whole because I do believe in a couple people on our board do a good job of re-watching it sounds like the wide receivers had a really rough game blocking on the edge uh against UNLV that's something where you would Jim Harbaugh senior- did say that yeah it was what Harbaugh also said it too right that that's something that with two seniors leading the way that's something that should come along at you know sooner rather than later i would think it it does feel like it's the pieces are i mean the 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 opportunities are going to be there more and more as the season kind of moves moves along there was a lot of talk about how miles hinton played last saturday i mean he looks he looks excellent in pass protection and it felt like his his whiffs in the run game um after rewatching like he has a heart, like he's almost uh, like he's lost his footing a couple times. It's not necessarily like totally missing an assignment as it is. Like he literally like just like slips and falls. I don't know if that's like just a random circumstance or whatever, but I think he played a lot better than what detractors will give him credit for. And didn't, I think Sharon Moore said they have their starting five. Hinton will start at right tackle again on Saturday, it sounds like. So, you know, I think you're seeing guys do it. It is. It's just a matter of timing and, and just gelling together. When when you hear the when you hear your run game coordinator say that you're leaving a lot of yards on the field, that means you're that they feel like they're close. And especially when they're not showing any type of concern uh, about maybe leaving those yards. You know, it's, I think they expect that eventually they're they're not going to miss some assignments. They're going to hit these assignments and not and they know they have two backs that can break it when given the opportunity. So other thing too, I didn't notice was it was Michael Barrett's dad that mentioned, I don't know if we ever caught wind of this or what, but that Donovan Edwards was pretty banged up during fall camp and and did not participate for a healthy amount of it. So that, you know, the, all the talk about Blake Corum kind of shaking off the rust coming off the injury from last year, it sounds like uh, Donovan Edwards is also sort of trying to 
get back into the swing of things. So, which is, you know, how many advantages are there to having a, such a soft schedule to begin the year? I think that's another one where not only do they have the opportunity to ease guys back who maybe aren't fully ready to play or, or maybe would play against a Penn state or Ohio state, but they don't need to play them. They also can afford to use these games as like, yeah, like, I don't want to say practice, but you know what I mean? It's okay Tune that these games. guys are getting, yeah, yeah, it's okay that these guys are getting back into the swing of things, but maybe they're not at their full capability yet. And that, that's okay. It doesn't, it's not the end of the world. So yeah, my concern level remains incredibly low. And uh, I think, like I said, as, as the season progresses, whether it's Saturday or not, I mean, yeah, I suspect Michigan will have started to have more success on Saturday running the ball. I mean, two games in a row where JJ McCarthy has been near perfect. You, you think, the passing game will get a little bit more respect, you know, from the linebackers. Uh, you know, maybe we'll see a little bit more action in the middle of the field defensively than we have the first two games. But either way, like I said, the way that when when you listen to Mike Hart, you listen, you see it, like it just, it you can tell it's close. It's just a matter of time. Yep. Yep. My only thing is, you know, you mentioned getting back into the swing of things. And, and I think that is very true for Donovan. Even I didn't, you know, I don't know the full extent of his fall camp injuries, but he also missed spring practices with injury. So he's in the same, you know, there's a lot of questions about Blake Corum getting his, his way back. And I understand his operation was a little bit more serious, but I, I would argue the same questions should be there for Donovan Edwards, just because they missed spring practice. You know, they they were doing off season conditioning, but it's not the same as, you know, padded practices or actually running behind your new look offensive line. So yeah, I think there's there's a getting back into the swing of things, but I would I would argue each week you do want to see that progress. And I think you did see progress week one to week two. I think now it's it's time for the week three. Cause you do want to go into the Rutgers game feeling full strength, feel like you're clicking on all cylinders. That is probably the next step. And and Liberty, by the way, faced bowling green ran for 245 yards on 5.1 yards per carry. So I, I think this is an opportunity for Michigan to to establish the run, both in this specific game, but also kind of in their own confidence of the season. In terms of the offense, the only other thing, you know, if I'm thinking, if I'm holding Michigan to a standard of, do they look like a national championship caliber offense? I feel like the next thing I want to see other than some more dominance in the run game I do think it's this is a good opportunity for the backups to kind of sort themselves out, right? Where the, everyone's talking about the backup quarterbacks. Davis Warren has not looked particularly good so far. Jack Tuttle doesn't sound like he's going to play this week just out of precaution. I know he took that that nasty hit. And I know he wants to play. He was trying to play Saturday. You know, Mike Hart was talking about that. He was he was ready to go back in. He came right out of the, the uh, injury tent. Jaden Denigal had a really nice 35-yard completion, right? Is the is he someone that can step in? I always think about like those first couple road games, right? What happens if JJ McCarthy takes a nasty hit and he's out for a series? Can someone step in that can help you win the game? Or does it truly turn into just try to run the ball, run the clock, you know, and get out of there? And so yeah, Jaden Denigal, Alex Orgy, someone we haven't seen any of so far this season. Maybe uh, Alex Orgy, but someone Michigan players are really excited about, really think highly of. And then Davis Warren and Jack Tuttle. I mean, there, there's four contenders for the backup spot. I do think you want to see someone kind of impress enough that they, they can kind of take the reins there. Um, and I would also argue at, at other 
position groups on the offense, you know, offensive line, it sounds like they like their starting five. Well, how do Trente Jones and Ladarius Henderson take that news? How does Greg Crippen take that news? Do they, you know, I, mean, I imagine they'll get some snaps on Saturday. Can they, are they showing that they're still locked in, that they're still fighting, that they're not done with, they're not packing in for the season? I, isn't that literally what we talked about in the offensive line preview episode, right? Yeah. Was that would be the challenge was if they found a set five, would those other guys, and I think Henderson's an interesting case because that you could argue he could have been drafted. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what that, but we thought that the culture of the position would mean that those guys are going to continue to push. So don't you think, I mean, what do you think that they're going to continue to put? What do you think will happen? Right. I, I think so. I think, right? I think in their mind, they're thinking, okay, I'm still going to get a couple drives in this game. Most likely, obviously things can happen, but, but most likely Michigan will have a comfortable, it'll be a lot similar to the last two weeks where in the fourth quarter, they might be able to get their backups in. So how do they, how do they respond on the field? Cause what's, what's going to matter is, and I think this is true in all levels of football, you know, there's, there's players that can look really good in practice who don't necessarily show it in games, just like there are players who, you know, might not stand out in practice, but in a game setting, they're able to to elevate their game even a little bit more. So yeah, how do they look? I still think that wide receiver, I, you know, I just did a story about Michigan's top two wide receivers, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, but you know, this is still an opportunity for Frederick Moore, for Samaj Morgan, for Tyler Morris, Darius Clemens, if he plays, right? It, it's, it's an opportunity for them to make those kind of plays because that's going to, that's going to carry more weight for Michigan. If they're thinking about, okay, who's the number three, who's the number four receiver against Rutgers? Well, if someone made a really nice play in a game and, and made a really nice block and then had a nice, you know, after catch broken tackle, you know, that, that stuff's going to matter a lot. That's going to carry some weight. Um, so yeah, I think to me that next step is finding that second string offense. Cause I, I will say I'm not necessarily surprised by this. Cause I think there's always going to be a drop off, but you know, the past two games when the offense has, has taken its starters out. I I do kind of feel like there's been a drop off in effectiveness. I mean, even beyond what you would normally expect. So I think I think that'll be something to watch. Not necessarily, you know, like oh they didn't score two touchdowns with their backups. Not not like that. Just more who's standing out, who's impressing, who's making plays that look like they could be pushing for more snaps in the coming weeks. So that's something else I want to see. I, I do want to see what that what those backups look like. Quarterback, I think. Uh, running back, you could argue. I mean, I know they're a little banged up in terms of reserve running backs, but Club Mullings, C.J. Stokes, Benjamin Hall plays. Where, where does he fit in? Stuff like that. Uh, and then I think the wide receiver and offensive line as well. I think there's actually, I mean, that too deep, you know, the starting lineup feels pretty settled. But I think that that second string, I think there's a lot of players with the ability to be key rotation pieces. It's just a matter of who's who's locked in, who's stepping up, who's continuing to progress their game. And we'll talk about this on the defensive side, but you know, are there players that throughout the course of the season can get better and maybe make a push for a starting lineup, maybe make a big play in a, in a key moment. So not a ton. I don't have super, super like cutthroat expectations for Michigan's offense against Bowling Green, but I think, seeing some dominance in the run game, and then seeing that second string shine 
I think would be two things that can make this a successful weekend for the Wolverines offense. Steve, how about you? Yeah, I think I think this is a classic uh, young players game. Like, can we see some more young guys flash? I think Grant Newsom brought up wanted to see Marlon Klein a little bit this week. Matthew Hibner, not necessarily like super young, but maybe young from an experience standpoint. So it's kind of hard to preview these games at this point because they're all kind of, you know, they're favored by 40 points after being favored by, I think, what, 37 the first two weeks. So for me personally, I'm always looking to see, are there some other guys on the roster who can show enough to potentially help Michigan in late October at November, right? I mean, they are deep, they're veteran at most spots, but you can never have a shortage of, uh, you can never have enough guys who could potentially contribute, give you, you know, and that's why I think tight end may be specific, maybe the one I'm thinking of the most because, you know, you, especially looking at, I just, Hibner such a unique player at that position build and just his style. Like he's probably, he's got to be the fastest player at the position for sure. Is would just be a potentially nice compliment to what they already have there. You know, you see what they, how they use Max Bredesen. I mean, it, it does feel like they could use Hibner in a similar way that he could be much more dynamic in the passing game. I guess he looks like a guy that's like a wheel route waiting to happen is kind of what I feel like. Yeah. I like with that, him. Yeah. Right. So, you know, so seeing, you know, do they, can they mix in guys like that? Like earlier in the game. Right. Cause again, and history kind of says they won't, you know, we keep their favorite in these big games, but they, you know, they can, they play the, their starters all the way throughout the first half and most of the way through the third quarter. It's just kind of always the way it's been. But um, now that the, the starting unit is two full games in, I do wonder if maybe they will try to mix it up a little bit more. So, yeah, I mean, when you're favored by 40, to me, it's really about, you know, can we see a guy really shows a flash is always the word I use, but you know, can we see a guy flash, you know, and, and can it be somebody who can help them down the road? Yep. And we'll see. And, and, and not just even this season, but who's setting the tone. Yeah. For, for their, for next season. Cause there will be new starting player, new starters in Michigan's offensive lineup next season. Don't know how many just yet, but you know, this is a, this is an opportunity for, yeah, a freshman, redshirt freshman, sophomore who hasn't played a ton. This is an opportunity for those kind of players to to show what they can do, show how they're improving. Because people might see it in practice here and there, but it's, it's it means a different thing when you do it in a game. All right, some quick over-unders before we switch over to the defensive side of things. Uh, number one, 2.5 passing touchdowns for J.J. McCarthy. 5.5 receptions combined for Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. And then Michigan averages 6.0 yards per carry, not counting sacks. So in terms of McCarthy, I'm taking the under. I think this is a game where they will, I mean, he only threw for two last week. So I guess they were under last week too. But whether it's backup quarterbacks, whether it's the run game, I think I think the odds that other people step in to score, as good as J.J. McCarthy has looked the past now five games, I would count going back to last season, 13 touchdowns in his last five games, I believe. I'm still taking the under. I'm going to take the over on the receptions for Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. I, I think maybe a, maybe a discussion for a, a different podcast. I feel like they really have started to implement the wide receiver run game or the running back wide receiver game really well so far. I think, you know, for as much talk as we're giving to the lack of the, the run game, 
But the running backs are still catching a lot of passes. I think they both were over 20 receiving yards last week. I'm taking the over on that one. Sack adjusted yards per carry. I am actually going to go under and prepare to be wrong because if they break one for 50 yards, it probably is going to be an over. But uh, still think still think Michigan's start trying to get into the swing of things with this run game. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if Bowling Green tries to do a similar formula to what East Carolina and, and UNLV did and, and stack the box, keep, keep the safeties close to the line of scrimmage. So I'm going under, over, under for those first three. Steve, I believe you did over for all three in what you submitted to me last night. Correct. Yeah, you, it, your last point, though, about them stacking the box again, it's like it becomes almost psychological, I guess, to the point where you know Bowling Green's thinking, okay, well, Michigan's shown they can throw the ball the first two games, so they're really going to try to establish the run against us on Saturday. Yes, it's so like rock, to, paper, scissors, right? right? So like, we need to stack the box. In a row, yeah. So now he thinks that he's – I'm not thinking that he's going to do rock, so then I'm right. going to – like, it's right. the whole no. mind game. Endless, endless, like, mind game. But, like, that actually makes a ton of sense. So it'll be interesting to see if they do that. Uh, but, yeah, I think I took the over on all three. Uh, Bowling Green, the worst of the three teams that Michigan has played, probably. So – um, I think so. Right? It's them or UNL. I mean, East Carolina. Can I say something? Well, like, East you, Carolina like, got smoked by Marshall last week. That's true. That's true. I actually, like, they they beat UNLV really easily, but with UNLV, at least looked like they had some pieces. Like, they had some guys. Like, I think their quarterback yes. could be a pretty good player, right? I mean, he looked like he – it's just Michigan's D-line was so dominant in that game. But anyway, um, over. I think Michigan kind of comes out maybe a little bit more all cylinders clicking. Uh, in this game so I'll I'll take the over I think this game's well out of hand by halftime yeah I think on paper Bowling Green was supposed to be the worst of these three teams this year I I I do think it will be an interesting matchup just to plug one of the stories I wrote a lot of Michigan ties on this coaching staff for Bowling Green I mean Scott Leffler former quarterback roommates with Mike Elston actually uh, same birth date both from Ohio so they go back a long ways you know, Eric Campbell played with Jim Harbaugh and coached a lot of Michigan's current coaches, actually. Uh, and then Steve Morrison, a former Michigan player who also coached for a long time at Michigan. And then Kevin Tolbert, former strength and conditioning coach prior to Ben Herbert. Uh, so he, and, and also in the 2000s under Lloyd Carr. So, I yeah, I looked it up with a 2002 team photo. There's four player or four people in the coaching section of the photo that are now in the coaching section at Bowling Green. So kind of, even though I think it's going to be on paper, the worst team Michigan plays, I wouldn't be surprised if if this Bowling Green coaching staff has scouted Michigan a little bit better than, you know, thinking about ECU and UNLV, just, just because there is some familiarity. I mean, they, they undoubtedly watched Michigan throughout last season, especially big 10 championship game, college football playoff games. So uh, that'll be it'll be fun. I you know it's 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 kind of you know I think Scott Leffler was talking about it, like it'll be really he's never been on the other sideline, but it'll be it'll be fun for him. I think the four of them spent a combined fifty years playing or coaching at Michigan, and they have they have either played with, coached, or coached with seven of Michigan's eleven assistants. So that'll be interesting. Not not super related to the actual game result but 
something I know I'm sure the broadcast will bring it up within about 10 seconds of the game kicking off. All right, we're going to take a quick break on the other side. What would make this a successful weekend for Michigan's defense? You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So, Steve, on defense, I, I don't think there's really been many struggles. I mean, I think there's little statistical things. I know people were thinking about the lack of sacks in week one, and then week two, they they get all of them. So it's, you know, I I, I don't think this defense has a ton that it necessarily has to sort out. I do think the big one though, is that secondary, I guess getting healthy slash continuing to see that depth. I think, you know, Makari page, Rod Moore did not play last week. Will Johnson, I think was limited to eight snaps. So if they're healthy, obviously getting them back up to game speed, getting them some, some game action just so their first snaps aren't necessarily in big 10 play, even though it'll still be a home game against a, a team they're favored against. But yeah, I think getting some of that, that game experience, game comfort back uh, that that's probably a big key. And I, and I will say, I don't know if everyone who watched Michigan last week agrees with this. I did feel like the secondary looked like a second string secondary at times last week. You know, there, there were just certain plays that, you're kind of thinking of Macari page probably makes that play or Rod Moore probably gets a pass break up there or, you know, Will Johnson might've even gotten a pick on that one. So I think, I think continuing to, to evolve or, or grow in the secondary, you know, a, a guy like Mike Sainer still feels like he's been on fire all season, but Josh Wallace, Keyshawn Harris, you know, does someone like Jair Hill get more run DJ Waller? Does he get more snaps? And then in the safety position, you know, Keon Sab seems like he's someone Michigan's really comfortable with. And now, you know, Quentin Johnson, I don't know if Zeke Berry, did he get dinged up last week? I can't remember the, the exact status. But yeah, it sounds like he is. Yeah, so, you know, finding, fi- making sure that you're, you're really comfortable with your secondary heading into to week four. And some of that is getting healthy. Some of that is getting the guys who have been healthy the whole time, more experience, more snaps. Um, and just, you want to see week to week, progress i guess in in coverage in run defense some of the some of the cornerstones of that secondary so i think this is a game where i'm probably putting them a little bit under the microscope just one we have to watch something right but uh but also just because it's i have to think if they aren't looking healthy or if there are continued struggles you know other big 10 opponents opponents will be looking at this matchup and saying oh we got to 
we got to attack these guys deep or, or really try to take some shots uh, against this secondary. Steve, what would make a successful weekend or what's the most important thing Michigan must show beyond winning and staying healthy to make for a successful weekend on defense in this matchup? Not a cop-out answer. I just kind of feel like the same thing, right? Like, can, are there some younger players? We've seen a handful of guys, you know, despite, yeah, the defense has played really well so far, but we were pretty much across the board, but we've seen a handful of young guys, true freshmen, come in and play consistently and, again, show guys who look like they belong out there. I mean, Jair Hill's one that we've mentioned, excuse me, a couple times. DJ Waller's now gotten two opportunities. I know Mike Elston really talked up Trey Pierce. You know, we've talked yeah. about... We've, Cameron right, we've, Brant's playing real snaps. Yes. So we've talked about them wanting a sixth, fifth, sixth, set or fifth, sixth guy in the rotate in that defensive line rotation. Um, you know, it could easily end up being one of those guys at this point, right? And and that can be... Again, we're talking we're talking we're talking three deep, but again, if you have enough guys to keep your other your top two fresh or whatever, that's you know there's you can't put a, a value on that. I mean, that's huge. So that's what I always look for. Um, honestly, wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more out of like a Josiah Stewart and TJ Guy. Uh, but from Guy's standpoint, I, I just I wonder if he's going to start to see more snaps because he looked pretty good again against UNLV uh we talked about him after East, after the East Carolina game he looked pretty good again so could be a guy sort of ascending I mean those are the guys you know am I going to sit here and say I need to see Kenneth Grant repeat last week's performance to be satisfied by the defense on Saturday like not nah, not at all like just it to me it's much more about that depth building as conference season starts to begin right and we like I said there's been a handful or so of guys that have really sort of at least look like they're on the verge of stepping up and stepping into one of those roles. And this is another good, maybe probably the best last opportunity uh, to see extensive chances to, to maybe enter that, that situation, that role. So, you know, that, that's what I'll be looking for. And again, much like offense, I'll be interested to see how early they insert some of these guys, if they do it the same, they have the first two weeks, or if we see a mix in a Jair Hill a little bit earlier, a Trey Pierce, you know, that that's really probably what I'll be looking for the most. I think Josiah Stewart is actually a, a very key observation, a key player to watch in this game because his snap count, not that one individual game snap count means a ton, but but he only played 15 snaps against UNLV. I mean, that's less than Jaden Hood. That's less than TJ Guy. That's less than Caden Colasar. That's less than Cam Good, less than Jaden McBurrows, and so on. So, yeah, I mean, Michigan – all fall camp seemed pretty excited about him, but what kind of role can he carve out when there are some pretty established guys, Braden McGregor, Jalen Harrell, Derek Moore, you know, is he kind of in that top four still, or is he more battling with TJ guy to get some of those, those rotation snaps. And I think that's, you know, to Michigan, that's only a benefit to Michigan, right? If TJ guy has elevated himself to where he's at the same level as Josiah Stewart, or at least competing for snaps, with Josiah Stewart, you know, that, that probably bodes well for Michigan's defensive line depth. And that is a position, you know, we talk about the need for depth at every position. That's a position where the depth can really help you every game. It's not just an insurance policy to have a great backup. You know, it's actually, they, they will rotate. And that does make a difference in their pass rush and in their run stopping. So 
he's he's a player to watch. I think you know Jair Hill is someone. It's just every time he's out there, probably he looks to me like he could probably play more snaps and play a bigger role. And and we've seen that's kind of how Michigan secondary likes to do things with true freshmen. Rod Moore, he was not starting week one. It was it was he built his role throughout the season. Will Johnson, uh, he was playing quite a bit early on, but I think it was more midway through the season when he really started to like seize that starting job, play 40 plus snaps in a game. So Jire Hill, DJ Waller, I know are two players, uh, Michigan's secondary coaches are very excited about. So, you know, what do they bring? And yeah, just, just kind of ironing out that rotation. All right, Steve, let's get into these defensive over-unders before we get into our final game predictions. 69.5 yards from scrimmage for Bowling Green's leading rusher or receiver. I don't have a particularly cool stat, nifty stat here. I'm going to take the under, partly just because I don't anticipate Bowling Green to get that many yards. Not 70. They'll get more than 70 yards, but I mean in terms of like in one phase of the game or whatever. I'm going to take the under. Don't have like a super cool stat there. I just I do feel like this is a, another chance. I know Michigan's defense, their, their players have kind of talked about they felt like they're really close to a shutout a couple times. Both of these games, it was, what, in the final two, three minutes of the game that ECU and UNLV put up their points. So I think that's that's something that's on Michigan's defense's mind. Maybe not. Maybe a thing to watch, Some what to watch for. Yeah, I'm going to take the under on a couple of these defensive ones because I do think this will be a, a, an opportunity for Michigan's defense to kind of flex a little bit one more time before conference play begins. Your thoughts under I did I take I'm, I was actually just looking right now. Yeah, I took the under on pretty much all of these defensive ones. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, they were close to a shutout with that cheapy field goal from ECU. I mean, that's like that's right. liter- is that literally as close to a shutout as you could possibly get? I feel like so I, I, I say under I don't really Bowling Green may present again the easiest matchup for Michigan defensively so far uh they could rack up a lot of sacks i feel like and create a few turnovers so i feel like it'll be hard for them to really get anything going so i'll say under for sure yeah i think that's fair the next one connor basilic former indiana quarterback completes 50.1 percent of passes i'm I'm gonna trust neil who provides these numbers for us that that's probably what is expected i'm actually gonna take the over i'm looking at bowling green's stats the first couple games it does seem like they are a get-the-ball-out-quick kind of offense, uh, similar to ECU. You know, They've got receivers who have been Power 5 programs. Don't think they have much on the offensive line. Think, think if, if they hold on to the ball for three seconds, they might be coming close to giving up a sack. But I, I think that they can put together a game plan that is sack-averse. So I'm actually thinking that they, you know, for these next two, Baslett completes 50.1% of his passes and Michigan's D-line accounts for 3.5 sacks. I'm actually the opposite of you for both of these. I'm taking the over on the completion percentage and I'm taking the under on the defensive line sacks. That's also a lot for just the defensive line. That's not counting edge guys. It's not counting linebackers. Uh, So I'm going... Over then under Steve, the you submitted to me, you were under and over for these two. I'm with that. 
I don't know how else to say it. I mean, I just fair. All right. <laughs> yeah, you know what? No, I mean, some of these, it's like, it's like you said, no, the not, numbers, not sometimes some, we are just kind of guessing, especially right? there's no flashy stat that I'm going to explain why yeah. I think that they're going to go under on 50.1%. It's because I think Michigan will defend higher than half of the, you know, like <laughs> of the passes or whatever. So funny. I did look it up. His completion percentage for, the season is 59.2%. So okay. I don't know. Okay. It's very hard. I will say with like the transfer portal, with the the varying eligibility situation with COVID-19 extra year. And then these teams, I mean, Bowling Green played Liberty and then they played Eastern Illinois, which is an FCS program. It's just, it's hard. It's similar to UNLV where it's like, okay, such and such player can have a great game in that, in that performance, but it doesn't mean much when it comes to, projecting what they might do against Michigan. So our over-unders will be a lot more researched starting next week uh, in terms of, you know, what we, what we do expect the opponents to do. All right. Finally, Steve, your, your final thoughts on this game and your score prediction for Michigan versus Bowling Green. Uh, 61 to seven. And yeah, I just think Michigan, I think they more little more full throttle offensively to begin the game and the game's over by definitely over by halftime. And then I think we see a lot of young guys, but I think, I guess I would go back a little bit. I I do think, and I think Jim even said this during his presser, the backup quarterback situation will be, is still a very big unanswered question for Michigan right now. You know, I, did he, is Jack Tuttle available on Saturday? It's not, yeah. Like, I mentioned it a moment ago. It sounds like, they are going to keep him out as a precaution, whether okay. that stays. That's what was said sure, Saturday sure. and then Monday. Uh, I don't think they expect him to be out long term. Right. But I, just, I think they're going to try to go with Denigal and Orgy in this game, see what they can okay. do. Yeah. Denigal looked fine. You know, the people like I don't know, left guard, I think, totally whiffed, which I believe forced him to, what, break the pocket and get back to the line of scrimmage. And he made a nice throw on his second throw. But again, yeah, there's almost nothing to go off of with either of those guys yet. So that that'll be another thing to kind of watch. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, sixty-one to seven, Michigan dominates. They finally cover, and uh, yeah, on the conference season. I I did, I'm laughing because you said they finally cover, as if like they have looked terrible. But but there are people who that is how they. <laughs> no, I didn't mean it like that. I didn't mean it like no, that. No, I know, I know. That, <laughs> trust me, I, but you're right though. There are some that are like. Just think that they're not playing. They haven't played up to their capability because they haven't covered yet, which, okay. Yeah, like those spreads are based off of whole sorts of all sorts of different projections. All right. I'm going to go. I'm saying lower scoring, but it's still going to be a blowout. I'm going uh, 42 to seven. I think, I think it'll be a little, I think they could get out to a bigger lead in this game just because I, I think Bowling Green probably has the worst defense of these three opponents. Uh, at least on paper, they do. We'll see what they look like on Saturday. But I'm projecting interest in in having a good run game. You know, they just might not get that many plays in you. Know, I, I see some of these scores where it's like it feels like a USC or Oklahoma or you know those Pac-12, Big 12 teams. It's like they put up like 80 points. Didn't didn't Oregon score 81 points against Portland State? Yeah, I don't know. Michigan they started to do it last year, so they certainly have that that ability to do so. But it just seems like, especially those last two games, it seems like Michigan was pretty content just controlling the game and I, don't you really dominating. Feel, don't you really feel like they're just they're trying to build depth? I mean, because like as you said, yeah. I mean, 
they're potentially losing a lot on both sides of the football after this year. So, I mean, there's just, there's, it's all about like people are, it's the long game. It's not about uh, beating Eastern Carolina 64 to three, you know, it's about getting a lot of young guys and, and your two and three deeps, a lot of reps and stuff. So the ones who like complain about them not covering, it reminds me, if you remember the gamblers anonymous commercial where the guy's jogging and then he stops at the end of the curb and sits on the curb and starts crying. And then they put the phone number up for gamblers anonymous. Have you ever seen that commercial? It's kind of old. Uh, I don't know if I have. That's what that reminds me. I guarantee there are some. I'm picturing what you're remember saying, that commercial, but... but yeah, it's like this guy just jogging and then like uh, gambling. And then he like stops and he just like starts crying. It's kind of funny. Uh, but that's what that reminds me of uh, when people are complaining about them, not covering the spread in the first two games. Well, I feel like, different fan bases have like used that as like smack talk like oh look you're owing two against the spread two against the spread it's like okay <laughs> yeah no that's what we said last week so like they could have thrown the ball they could have thrown for like 450 yards last saturday if they wanted to right i mean it's just it's not ah uh, man there was a big discussion on the board about that crap about them not utilizing the pass enough because it was available. And it's like, that's not what, that's not what this is about. Michigan gains you know? nothing extra from winning by 13. No, the only people who are 13 more points, I should say, right? Like if they scored 45, the only people who benefit are fans. And I guess betters who want if the, yeah. the ego yeah. pad. Yeah. Right. But no, I just, I, you know, they're, they're okay running into stack boxes right now. They're okay being overmatched up front as a, on a body to body basis. It's a, these are challenges. These are, it's what is it? Iron sharpens iron type deal here. It's yeah. like they're, they're just, that's what this is. Like, and I just, you know, just cracks me up. So I, I remember back in like 2018, I think it was maybe 2017, both years, Michigan opened with in 2017, it was Florida in 2018. It was Notre Dame. And I remember Jim Harbaugh kind of pointed out that that was a, a challenge that they didn't have to deal with in the NFL. In the NFL, you got, you know, three or four preseason games. You got to see, you know, the guy who's having the freshman who's having a nice fall camp or the rookie in the NFL scenario who's having a nice fall camp. You got to see what they could look like in a game setting. And, and you got to see, you know, if you're trying a new scheme, you know, you kind of got to see what that looks like in real time. And so I, I you know, ever since then, I've kind of, Michigan, they don't have non-conference schedules like this every year, but the last two years they have. And and I really do feel like Michigan, I mean, a lot of NFL style in terms of game planning, in terms of off-season training, like it, it does, you know, a lot of the coaches who have come in and been newer say this is just, it's run like a an NFL team. And I almost wonder if they are taking that approach to these non-conference games where they're, I mean, Jim Harbaugh basically told you he was going to play Jane Denegal and, and Alex Orgy in this game. You know, it's not, let's focus on, you know, JJ McCarthy. I mean, you know, it, they've kind of been expecting to be up early and get their backups in. So I, I do think there's a little bit of the NFL preseason approach and I guess we'll see what happens. I expect it to be similar to last week, just maybe with a little bit more offensive success. So I've got Michigan 42 Bowling Green seven Lots of stories to read up on this matchup as well as everything we see from the game on Saturday night game. So that'll be it'll be fun to see the new lights. They've been touting them as quite a bit. So curious to see those in action. 
But lots of stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you after the game. CBS Sunday, after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after the equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.